0: Hello, everyone. and Welcome to another episode of Mr. Speaker Speaks. It's the podcast that informs challenges and inspires. This is real talk from real people about real things. And today we're going to talk about something that affects a lot of people and what you can do about it. The whole state of mind dealing with mental health on today. And my guest, uh, Dr. Alvarado, is going to share a lot of insight with us about that. You know, you can find out more about me at Edwards.com. That's vincenttedwards.com. You can also go to Vincent On Demand, and that's where you can find out about training and things that can help you move from where you are now to where you want to go. It helps you to pivot into your purpose with power and precision. And I want to let you know that today's show is brought to you in part by Sirius Web Solutions. Your success is our success. They do website development, graphic design, and much, much more on the internet at seriouswebsolutions.com, Or you can call them at 850-597-1707, SiriusWebSolutions.com. Also, my barber, when you're in town here in Tallahassee, Florida, you need a fresh cut. You need to go by and see my my man, Dante, over at Blades Barbershop, 2202 Lake Bradford Road, Suite A. And when you visit Sirius Web Solutions and you go by Blades, let them know that you heard about them right here on Mr. Speaker Speaks. And let them know Mr. Speaker sent you. Like always here on Mr. Speaker Speaks. Let us invite the presence of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we truly thank you once again for another opportunity to produce a podcast that will be beneficial in the lives of people, family, and their friends. God, I thank you for my guest today who will share insights about mental health because the mind is a terrible thing to waste and people have issues that keep them um, from doing what they need to do. And people may just say it's in their mind, but it's something that needs to be dealt with. And God, we just ask for your presence here today to help us get an understanding of the seriousness of this matter. Not only that, but the help that is available to each and everyone that needs it. God, let your spirit prevail here today. Because we know in life and challenges and issues, it's all in the mind, and the enemy affects our mind. People who want to get at us attack our mind. And we go through things, life issues, challenges, and experiences that affect our mind. And God, we're asking for you to give us that help today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the scripture that I want to read today comes from the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 2 and it says and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god the whole concept of renewing your mind My guest today, Dr. Alvarado, he's a clinical psychologist and founder of Thriving Center of Psychology. And he says that many people seek therapy when facing a breaking point, be it in a relationship, a career, or other big life moment. A breaking point is some major event that finally is the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back. Others seek help after finally reaching a tipping point, or a series of events that lead up to that self-reflective aha moment, that something is just not right and a change needs to be made. We see this unfold frequently in the entertainment and sports industries. Just come cases in point that recently happened. He brings up the case of Will and Jada Smith, Tiger Woods, and Naomi Osaka. But when is the best time to seek a therapist and how do you find the right match for your specific situation? My guest today, Dr. Alvarado, is going to help us with this. Doctor, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks so much for having me, Vincent. Oh, it's truly a pleasure. I, I love our, surrounding myself with PhDs and MDs. It makes me feel <laughs> so special and it makes me feel much smarter. Looking at your life, what is one thing that you can look back on that you say in your life was an aha moment?
1: Was an aha moment. I think uh, probably when I was introduced to psychology. Um, I know it's, you know, it's probably cliche for for a lot of psychologists, but I definitely knew I wanted to the industry I wanted to go into from a very young age. I knew psychology was going to be in probably whatever I ended up doing or being, whether it be someone in marketing, someone in business, public relations, peer relations. I knew psychology was going to be in it, in that. So I would say, you know, discovering psychology uh, in my younger days was, was an aha moment.
0: An aha moment. So, what is it about this profession that makes you come alive?
1: Wow. Well, I mean, another cliche statement, but helping people, you know, uh, helping people is really the motivating piece to this. And I'm honestly lucky enough where, you know, I'm a practice owner now where I also see clients myself, but I can kind of get a step above and help uh, not only patients, but also my the therapists that work for me, um, provide them with great lives and also help them help uh, their clients.
0: Is there a difference between a therapist and a psychologist or are the terms interchangeable?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So all psychologists, I shouldn't say all, there's, uh, you know, psychologists are a wide, you know, have a wide range of professions, whether it be testing, you know, some are, uh, you know, in the court system. um, But certain therapists are uh, depending on what degree you have. Uh, you could be a master's level therapist, and there's a lot of uh, therapists, like licensed profi- uh, licensed mental health counselors or clinical social workers. Uh, all psychologists really have is just extra schooling. Uh, that's really what it comes down to.
0: And that extra schooling allows them to do what differently than someone without it.
1: That's a great question. Uh, honestly, realistically, testing. Testing is the one thing that psychologists can do that, you know, master's level practitioners uh, cannot, whether it be testing for ADHD, testing for autism, um, IQ testing, things of that sort.
0: Why is mental health so challenging today? And when I say challenging, I'm looking at it from the standpoint of people saying, it's an issue that I have to deal with it. Um, Is there a difference between men and women when it comes to that as well?
1: Sure. I I think one of the issues that we're dealing with in terms of mental health is a lot of the traditional stigmas that come along with mental health, uh, especially the one that mental health is only for people who are, quote, right, sick. Right. Um, You know, and so or if you go to a mental health professional, you have issues. Right. And so I think more now in today's age, we're really starting to lower that stigma and seeing that a lot of people are using mental health, not only to get from one place to baseline, but also baseline to excelling. Uh, And is there a second part of your question? Is there a difference between men and women uh, seeking mental health? There definitely is. Uh, Still, I think it's a little harder breaking that stigma with men, especially that traditional sense of men, right, where we're supposed to you know, uh, really suck it up and continue on and not show emotion, uh, where, you know, women are, are more allowed to kind of be more emotional in our society. So what we see is definitely a lot more women uh, women coming to mental health practices uh, and seeking mental health opposed to men. Um, but that as well, I think has been slightly lowering, especially especially as we see a lot of the uh, you know, famous athletes, Uh, actors, and and prominent men seeking mental health.
0: And help me to understand this. Who should really see a psychologist? Do I have to have an issue going on in my life to see a therapist or psychologist? Can they be considered likened to a coach, a success coach? Or does there have to be an underlying issue to seek out one?
1: Sure. Yeah, no, there definitely doesn't have to be an underlying issue to seek out a therapist. I think it's a great reason to seek out a therapist if there is an underlying issue um, or if there's something that is unresolved. But there are a lot of people that come to therapy just because they are looking to better themselves in some way. Uh, Peak performance is a big industry in the mental health world where um, a lot of people who are, again, at baseline are just seeking to kind of get that one step up uh, over people who don't seek mental health services. So looking
0: at mental health, not necessarily having an underlying issue, but wanting to get my mind into a different state to move to to the next level, whatever that level may be for me, a therapist can help me to do that. Is that what I heard?
1: Right, exactly that you know, or even an outside perspective, you know, um we're really biased, especially to ourselves, and it's unbelievably helpful to get that outside perspective from someone who's maybe not in your inner circle uh to you know provide you with some really good feedback to help you make a informed decision
0: The stigma around men seeing it, I mean, I know this is especially challenging in the military not wanting to be viewed as weak. What are some things that you can say to help that man or that young boy that's listening to recognize I may have an issue and it's okay for me to seek out help?
1: Uh, Yeah. Great question. Well, one thing I would say is I I would say, you know, imagine your, you know, whoever your favorite athlete is, I can guarantee you, they're likely going to a therapist. Um, you know, a lot of the predominant people uh, in today's age, especially very successful ones, Steph Curry going to a finals game. Uh, you know, he sees, you know, they have a they have a team psychologist that comes with them and travels with them at all times to help them, you know, uh, overcome anything that's going on with them and also to give them a, a step up in some ways. I think the biggest thing that we could do for these, you know, young people young men, is to just talk about it more um, and, and be more vocal about men going to therapy and really lower, you know, and, and normalize it in a lot of ways.
0: Normalize it. That's, that's a, a unique word, uh, making it what I would call commonplace. It's okay. Women, why are they more apt to seek it out? And seek help.
1: Yeah, you know that's a that's a great question. Um, I, I mean, it could be a societal. I admit there's a few factors, but I think societal is, is society is a, is a big one, um, where society might allow them to you know, be more open about emotions, you know, and it is more normalized than for men. Um, but you know, we also see, you know, in terms of statistics, you know. Women definitely seek mental health services more. Um, An interesting statistic is, you know, more women do uh, attempt to harm themselves uh, in terms of committing suicide, but more men actually complete that. So more men actually do complete or do actually commit suicide than women. However, uh, women are more likely to attempt it. When is the best time to seek out help or to start therapy? Yeah, yesterday, probably. But uh, (laughs) second plus time, probably today. The saying I love is if you've thought about seeing a therapist, chances are it's time. You know, there's probably a reason why you've thought that. Um, And, you know, you should go to one and just see how see how it is and uh, what benefits can come from it.
0: And I like that word benefit. I'm going to ask you this question. What is one key benefit that someone can take away or walk away with or realize from seeing a therapist?
1: Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it it definitely, definitely depends on person to person. But I think one thing that you can really realize is that you are not the only one going through what you're going through. You know, um, a lot of times when people don't talk about the situations that they're going through. They feel like they're the only person that this is happening with uh, until they start to speak about it, um, whether it be to a therapist or even to a friend or peer that, you know, they realize, wow, like this is something that a lot of people go through, you know, and I'm not alone. You know, and when they start talking to a therapist, you know, about it, 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 it changes from, you know, this is something I'm going through to something we're going through. And that's a big difference and can seem a lot less lonely. Someone's
0: talking to a friend and they give them some advice. Say, you know, I I think you may need to talk someone. Here's a card from my therapist. Is that therapist necessarily the right one for that individual? How do I go about seeking the right professional
1: for me? So that's a good start, right? Referrals are a great start in terms of look, look, looking for a right therapist for you. However, that should not be you know, the end all be all. You know? um, there's a lot of reasons why that person might not be the best fit for you. Your friend might have sought therapy for a specific reason, or you might actually be seeking therapy for a specific reason. I think that one of the biggest mistakes people make when seeking therapy is looking for the most convenient option, right? A referral from a friend, like we just mentioned the number one hit on Google, right? Just because someone's you know, the best marketed therapist doesn't mean they're the best therapist for you. So I think both of those options are really great starts. However, there needs to be some follow-up through that, right? I would call the doctor, right? And, and ask them some questions. Um, see if they're the right fit for you.
0: When you talk about questions, can you give us an idea uh, of some of the mistakes that we should avoid? when seeking a
1: therapist? Sure. So, yeah, so I'll I definitely, in terms of the questions, right? I would say that the questions that you'd wanna ask are obviously the therapist specialties. What, what are they treated before? And is it something that you're coming in with? What treatment looks like with the therapist, right? A, a good therapist could probably give you a breakdown, like an elevator pitch of how they usually treat people similar to you coming in for similar issues, right? also do they utilize evidence-based treatments there's a lot of different treatment methods out there that a lot of therapists use uh, and they vary in research and so what we want is to really up the chances of a successful therapy by using evidence-based research some common evidence-based therapies are cognitive behavioral therapy or cbt um, dialectical behavioral therapy dbt acceptance therapy act, but there's a bunch and I would research whatever they tell you. Um,
0: so, so what is cognitive behavioral therapy?
1: So cognitive behavioral therapy, I guess, in a, uh, I mean, in, in a very uh, short uh, elevator pitch, it's basically, it says, um, you know, thoughts take involves thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And essentially, if you change two, the third will follow, right? Changing how you think. Uh, and also changing, you know, in terms of your behaviors, your feelings will also follow. So is
0: that the one where they come in and they say, oh,
1: lie down on my couch and let's talk about it?
0: (laughs) You know, that's the one thing you think about when you see a therapist. Like, oh, have a, you know, sit on my couch, relax. You know, is that the case these days or you just sit in a chair? Because I I watch a lot of shows and sometimes, you know, like um, some of the crime shows when police officers have, have done some shooting and kill people and they need to go and see somebody. They're just sitting in a chair and being asked all these questions. And then sometimes people are lying down on the couch. I mean, that's what comes to mind.
1: And, you know, that is a a very Freudian way of (laughs) of therapy, which is extremely old school, but makes great for movies and and shows. Uh, It is, it's not how a lot of the evidence-based therapies are done these days. Uh, Usually it's just done... Sitting on a, on a you know a, a couch just normally sitting and, and across from someone in a chair, a big reason I think a lot of people switch from that is because you know we want people to go through experiences like they would it every day, right? You can you can do something talk about something difficult um, or do something difficult. You should probably do it while you're looking at somebody because that's usually how society works. You're not usually you know going through things looking at the ceiling. Is there a difference between a fear and a phobia? Uh, great question. I think the fear, uh, you know, we all have fears, right, uh, to some extent, and some are very valid, right, to keep us alive. Uh, however, when it's a when it turns into a phobia, there's some criteria for that, and it's usually when it interferes with our daily living.
0: So, when it comes to seeing a, a therapist, do I have to be in the same state? Because everything now is is online and do virtual sessions really work or is it really needed to be have that face-to-face because even now i've, I've seen a lot of these athletes and um, one i think is a swimmer and they're advertising like these these apps i do believe where you having you can see a therapist online does that really
1: work so research says that uh, teletherapy which is seeing a therapist over video is just as effective as going in person So it does work. It has been working. It was definitely an adjustment. Teletherapy has been around, but obviously COVID has pushed it into being mainstream. And I think it was an adjustment for a lot of people in terms, you know, whether it be the clients or even therapists, it was an adjustment for. But, uh, you know, now it's almost the norm. And I feel like uh, people are very used to it now and very comfortable with it.
0: How how has that? Affected your your practice or your business? Uh, has it increased since the availability of seeing a, a therapist? Is, I mean, it's so so easy now to see one rather than having to drive and all that. Has, has business increased?
1: You know, I would say, you know, I think that it's definitely helped in terms of being more available. You know, creating less of a barrier, uh, whether it be driving in traffic, sitting in a waiting room it's a lot easier and there's less of an excuse, right? Uh, You don't have time to do it. You can't just open up your laptop, you know, and just jump right in. Um, So I would say it's it's probably helped uh, as well as the, you know, mental health just being talked about a lot more the past few years.
0: What is anxiety?
1: Sure. Anxiety is our, our body's response to, you know, a feared stimulus, right? Uh, it's really what kind of kept us alive back in you know the the Stone Age, right? Uh, people who didn't have anxiety back then were usually eaten by like a bear or tiger, and so that's transferred, you know, to to this day and age. And we're not really uh, you know being chased by these animals. However, you know, our body still has evolved in such a way where we feel like that threat is out there, and it, it's misappropriated a lot to some of these issues that are not life and death.
0: So how does that differ from a fear or a phobia the whole concept of anxiety because a lot of people e- even now um even though we're coming out of covid um during that whole two year period of having to be just on lockdown so to speak there was just a lot of anxiety what what's the difference there
1: Yeah so I think in terms of what really creates a disorder versus just a normal level of anxiety. Anxiety we all have. It's impossible to get rid of um, and it's it's healthy to have. You know, really where you see disorders come in, whether it be a phobia or an anxiety disorder is how we react to that anxiety, right? Am I avoiding certain things because I'm fearful of it, right? You know, it's all about how we behave in reaction to that emotion. Right. There's a lot of things that, you know, might make me nervous, maybe even coming on and, and, and speaking to you. Right. But I still came in and I did it. Right. Opposed to just saying, like, I can't do it. And, you know, I didn't show up today. Right. So that's really the big difference.
0: First impressions, we often say, you know, you never get a, a second chance to make a first impression. When an individual goes to see a therapist, makes that decision to take that leap of faith. How critical or how important is that first visit, that first interaction
1: with therapists? It's incredibly critical. Uh, I've talked to so many friends uh, and even family members who, you know, I've 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 talked to about going to see th- a therapist, and they mention, well, you know, I tried one one time, and it just it was just a really bad experience. The guy was doing this, or the guy was doing that, um, and it just it's not for me. So I see that people their initial experience of therapy is how they generalize all therapy. And it's really important. And and honestly, one of my missions is really trying to help people, you know, get matched with the right therapist so that their initial experience of therapy is a positive one um, and that they'll continue seeking treatment if they need to. I feel like a lot of times we only have one shot with this you know and and when people do have a poor experience you know it 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 could last a a long time
0: hmm. give us some insight about your therapy matchmaking quiz and tell my listening audience where they can go and find out more information about you and your uh your center thriving center of psychology
1: yeah of course so you know we've tried to do a lot of the legwork for our clients in terms of making sure all of our therapists are evidence-based, they only use evidence-based treatments. Um, we've had uh, senior psychologists vet every single one of them to make sure they are uh, high, well-trained and quality therapists. Uh, and then from there, the matching is really important. So you know, the questions that are involved are what you're coming in for, what type of therapist that you might be more comfortable seeing. It could be a therapist of color, a therapist in the LGBTQ community, um, it could be a, a therapist who's more goal-oriented. So all of these things are, are you know, brought together and, and help to provide you with matches. And um, the most important part, like I mentioned, is a consultation. So we make sure that every person, you know, before investing in therapy, is provided with a free consultation so they can get a feel and feel confident that they're speaking to the right person for them. Uh, and where you can visit it and, uh, and, and take this quiz, uh, thrivingcenterofpsych.com. That's thrivingcenterofpsych.com.
0: My guest today, Dr. Alvarado, talking to us about mental health. How long should I stay in a relationship with my therapist? Can I ever divorce him, let him go?
1: So that is definitely something I can answer. It's usually something that the therapist and the client, you know, Talk about together. It's usually a collaborative process. I would say for for the most part in our practice, most people uh, overcome what they initially came in for around the 12th session. And then they have that discussion of, hey, how do you want to proceed? You know, there are some people who do like those check-ins, who do like those kind of, um, you know, tune-ups, have you will, Uh, or, you know, just to get that outside perspective uh, every once in a while or on a continual basis. Or there are some people, you know, who just come in only when situations arise. So it really depends on, you know, what you are more comfortable with.
0: When it comes to those types of sessions, is it recommended you do weekly, biweekly, a monthly? How does it typically work for the best results?
1: Gold standard, at least when you first start, is weekly. And then after, you know, after a while, you can kind of tone it back. And um, that's kind of how you can, you know, you you finish treatment by uh, maybe going every other week and slowing it down from there.
0: Out of all the places that an individual can go to do research or to find a a therapist and then finally select one, why Thriving Center of Psychology? Why should that be on their list to check you out? It's,
1: it's It's a big piece for us is providing quality care. You know, so, you know, we're really particular about the people that are brought on to Thriving Center in terms of their qualifications, in terms of their, their training, uh, what type of therapy they provide, and can they provide it well? And also on the other side, you know, almost the intangibles, right? Are they personable? Um, would people feel comfortable speaking with them? From there, you know, being able to match them with the appropriate fit, I feel like I feel like we try to decrease a lot of the barriers for people and make it as easy as possible to seek treatment.
0: Is there a particular age range? Or not, when, I, when I say age range, I guess I want to say starting point. What's the
1: earliest uh, age someone can start therapy? People can start. I mean, there's children that start at the age of three. Uh, so, yeah, three? yeah there's children mm-hmm. psychologists. Yeah, there's uh, three years old for sure. So, um, you know, obviously it's more behavioral and less cognitive at that point. But, you know, there's never, it's never too early to start. Never too late either.
0: So um, online videos, I saw that on your your website. Tell me about that. Is that like that pre-recorded information that you can just sit down and watch?
1: So not at this time, but I think you might be referring to the teletherapy. That we probably explained.
0: How well does group therapy work? What comes to my mind is like an AA meeting. Is that what it's like in group therapy?
1: So that is a type of group therapy, I would say. It's more of a support group. Group therapy can be a lot of things. There can be a group therapy that's maybe surrounded by a situation, which could be, you know, problem drinking uh, or something of that sort. A lot of times there's process groups, what you call. And that's just people of, you know, different types of uh, backgrounds just speaking about what's going through, you know, their how they're you know what's going through their week um and the the beneficial part about group therapy is that when people are in individual therapy they're basically coming to you and putting a face on right like almost like a first date right um i'm coming to a therapist and this is the me i want to show them right when people go to group therapy they can't really do that right because they're interacting with multiple people so it's the only place that a therapist especially can really see how a client interacts with other people and it's it's the best way to to see how they usually are in the normal outside of the office setting.
0: That's interesting to me that you said it would be easier in a group because I think I could hide more in a group than I could one on one. <laughs> Help me to, to, to see that because it's like I could just say something and pass and defer, but when it's one on one, you can look me into the eyes and really pull that out. Whereas in a group, I could really hide behind that and really mask issues.
1: So I think if you're you know you're not talking much, it might be a little harder, but usually group tends to bring out and if you're you know, if you're in there interacting uh in the group, it could be very easy, you know. Um, because, you know, you're dealing with a lot of different other people as well who are asking you questions. who are having different responses towards you. Uh, So it is definitely a little bit more difficult to, you know, put on that first date impression.
0: What worries you about the state of psychology and therapists
1: right now? What keeps you awake at night? Um that, that we need more of them in a lot of in some in some ways uh there's always you know some some help we need we you know, 're always looking for for a good set of hands to help with with our clients um, and the need is definitely there, which is great um and I think the other piece is you know there there 's a lot of resources out there right now, which is amazing you know, and it 's a lot better than you know a, a lot of, you know, not too long ago when there wasn't too many resources, but that brings up its own issues. And that's, you know, which resources do I trust? So what what really keeps me up, I think, at night is that, you know, people are going to certain platforms and thinking that this is therapy when in reality it's it might not be. Uh, and I think that that could be harmful to, you know, people's or, or the stigma of, of therapy. I'm going to
0: ask you a challenging question now. I'll give you oh, a, a moment uh, to prepare, uh,
1: <laughs> you know,
0: be, it, and, and, and I, I, I want to hear your take on this. You know, I'm a pastor and I listen to people all the time and I have to take stuff to the grave with me. I can't share it with anyone except God. Um, I'm also a success coach and I help people get through things. But as a success coach, I also have a coach. So I'm a coach and I have a coach. Therapist, should a therapist
1: have a therapist? Oh, that's an easy one. A thousand percent. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, you know, if you are a hypocrite, I think in some ways, if you say, you know, no, a therapist shouldn't have a therapist. I mean, like I said, I mean, if even me as a therapist, right, I mean, I'm I know I'm biased in so many ways. And um, it is incredibly helpful to get that outside perspective, you know, and to process things appropriately. So a thousand and ten percent therapists should be also seeking therapy.
0: What is the greatest joy that you've realized from being a
1: therapist? The greatest joy I've realized is, is how you know amazing I guess it is to positively affect people's lives. You know, it's when people tell you things, it's you know, they're getting they're giving you some insight into the story of their lives. And so learning about them and understanding that you have a positive influence, I mean, hopefully a positive influence on that story is is really amazing.
0: What's next on the horizon for you, doctor, in the area of uh, psychology and therapy?
1: Sure, say, I mean, I just, you know, personally just want to keep spreading our message and trying to provide uh, quality therapy uh, as much as possible um, and just do our... You know do our part in in fighting that stigma
0: do you see profession the industry of psychology changing much more in the next two to three years?
1: If so, how? I learned after covid i I can't predict anything
0: um,
1: <laughs> so it'll be it'll be interesting to see where things do go uh, and and even in terms of going back in person right um, there are some places. And we have we have offices in a few different states, and it's interesting to see, you know, where people want to go back into uh, the you know the office setting, and where people do not. Right? For instance, California, like Los Angeles, which is where we're, we're headquartered there. Uh, there, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever driven around uh, Los Angeles during heavy traffic time, which is you know five to seven, which is when people usually therapy the most. Mm-hmm. It's not fun, you know. Um, so, <laughs> I, I can't see people wanting to do that. Going, you know, and going to a therapist's office uh, and sit in a waiting room. On the flip side, New York City, um, a place where you know everything's pretty condensed, uh, and also you know people don't have as much space to speak privately. Uh, you know, they might have a roommate. They might be in you know a really small apartment with nowhere to 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 speak. You know. To a therapist. So, in, in this in this city, which is where I'm at now, um, I, I do see that uh, switching back to you know off the office setting in some in some instances. So, I, I'm, I'm interested to see myself how this changes uh, in the next few years. Final question for you
0: on today: um, When it comes to you, your life,
1: what you do, what matters most to you, Doctor Alvarado? Integrity and helping. I would say both of those are, are, are pretty big core values. Um and just yeah, just continuing to to do the right thing and help as many people as possible. Great insight.
0: Is there I, I, I had another question. Is there a reason that um June is uh, men's health month?
1: Or oh, man. <laughs> I you know what? I've i I'm not sure of that one. <laughs> I don't know why, why men when my my men got June, but uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not positive. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was thinking
0: about that. I guess maybe it centers around the, the Father's Day. I guess I don't know. Yeah, good. maybe Big,
1: that's a good. Yeah, it's, it makes sense. Being in June. Well, um,
0: is there anything else that you would like to share with the listening audience today around the topic of of a mental health? Anything you want to leave them with? That you yeah. feel is important.
1: Sure, I think that when you seek therapy uh, and looking for a therapist, I think it's always important to make sure you get them on the phone uh, and see if you're comfortable with them. You know, it doesn't always have to be a Thriving Center of Psychology. It's great if it is, but even if it's outside of of our industry, of our company, um, you know, make sure that you speak with them on the phone. Uh, I, I would, I would definitely, think, I definitely think that is a the most important piece. The most important. Well, I want to
0: thank you so very much for being a great guest on today and sharing with us things that we need to know about searching out and seeking a therapist. I know it's it's in the headlines, it's in the news, and it's something that's beneficial to get just to get your mind right. And I love the fact that you stated that there doesn't have to be anything wrong. All about peak performance, and, and and that that's key. I mean, if you want to move to another level, therapists can help you walk through that and help you to get there. Peak performance. So, so, doctor, I want to truly thank you for being a great guest and being so informative today here on Mister
1: Speaker Speaks. Thanks for having me, Vincent. I appreciate it. I had a great time. Oh, most
0: definitely. If you ever want to come back, you have an open door. If you want to talk about a specific issue, just let me know. I would welcome. The opportunity to have you back here on Mr. Speaker Speaks.
1: Oh, I would love that. Appreciate it. All right. Well,
0: audience, you've been listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks. You know, it's the place where we inform, we challenge, and we inspire. You know, visit me at dot Edwards.com. And as I always say, I really want you all to remember this and catch hold of this. Life is all about purpose. And the question becomes, Do you know yours? Do you know your purpose? Think about that. And just remember, in all that you do, be magnificent. And until next time, be good, be blessed, but most of all, be a blessing to someone.